Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Good morning and welcome to Fishhawk Live and the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. This morning we have one of my favorite guests on the show here, and we're going to be talking landlocked salmon on Lake Champlain. We're going to be doing that with Mr. Ron Winter. Ron, welcome to the show this morning. Hey, Chris. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love having you on. I, I love talking about this topic. Lake Champlain is one of New York's finger lakes. It sits along the New York and Vermont border, even slips up into Quebec. And although it's an inland lake, it is a big piece of water, 514 square miles of surface area, depths going all the way down to 400 feet. And uh, this is a lake that's near and dear to your heart, Ron. And uh, just tell us a little bit about the lake itself and kind of why it's so special to you. Well, I think that what makes it most special is, uh, the, well, the geography of it, for instance. Uh, and uh, fishing for landlocked salmon has been one of my favorite species to fish for here. And it's, we're kind of lucky in Vermont that we have this fishery. I mean, I, I, I go travel to Lake Ontario and fish in the Loch Derby and fish the king salmon and stuff. But not, I tell you, it's pretty special catching these two or three pound salmon and, you know, and, and the bigger ones from five to nine pounds because they jump and the way they, uh, you know, they take the drag and stuff, it's, it never gets old. But uh, back to the, the geography of it, uh, Lake Champlain, uh, we have a lot of advantages here that we can fish late in the year because uh, it narrows on one end and it's almost 400 feet of water. So uh, the access stays open until middle of January, late January sometimes, and it opens up early in March. So it gives us a lot of uh, opportunities to fish in the in the late fall into the winter. So you're fishing uh, into the winter, and, and these are times where most people have their fish or their boat winterized. They're putting it away, and, and you guys are headed out there. Tell us about the fish. Now, we, we're talking landlocked salmon. Uh, what is kind of the subspecies of fish that you guys are chasing when you're out there? Well, we also catch a lot of lake trout, and they help bend the rods when, when things are slow, waiting for a, a landlocked bite at some days. And uh, occasional steelhead or rainbow, and uh, once in a while a brown trout. So, you know, it cover four different of uh, the cold water species. These, these are Atlantic salmon that, that are that are in, in Lake Champlain, correct? Yes. Yep. These are Atlantic salmon. So Atlantic salmon and your season, you guys kind of say that the start of it is November 1st. And when I say you guys, uh, you're part of a group and I almost kind of, the way I see it and I've watched some of your videos, it's kind of like, uh, and, and don't don't be offended by this, but it kind of looks like grumpy old men, but uh, in, on open water instead of the ice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of older guys that do this and we a lot has been doing it for, for 30, 40 years. And, and in fact, uh, Randy Coulomb started this in 1977, Chris, and he had a job where uh, he's, uh, you know, he, he couldn't take off in the summer and spring and fall to go fishing, but he had to take his vacation in November, December and January. And he started this whole thing back in 1977. Randy, I think, is in his early 70s now. And he kind of mentored us and through social media and, you know, like Lake Champlain United dot com. Uh, people spread the word quickly. We started 15 years ago, and uh, we've got quite a group now that do this, but I think Grumpy Old Men is a great uh, description. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big group of, of, of folks out there, and, and it looks like uh, 
you guys are used to kind of sharing the water with each other and, and kind of just some interaction between boats. I, I kind of got a kick. I get a kick out of watching your videos with it. Uh, we talked about Lake Champlain being a big piece of water. What are kind of the areas of the lake that you typically target when you're out there uh, this time of year chasing, chasing these salmon? Well, we uh, target the lower third of the lake if you're looking from north to south. And uh, the reason being, uh, a lot of the salmon congregate down there in lake trout this time of year, and it affords a lot of protection from the winds. We get a lot of wind, you know, northwest wind, south wind, and we can go hide out of that wind and still have deep water to fish or shallow water to fish. And uh, you see the temperatures the same from the surface all the way down to 80 to 100 feet. So these fish can be caught some days with 90 feet of cable out in the rigger. Other days, you can catch uh, within five or 10 feet of the surface and in between. So uh, the, the, the big thing is that we got a great place to launch down there. And this is uh, around, the, this is uh, close to the Essex Ferry, just south of it, a place called Converse Bay. And it's kind of open a little bit to a south wind. So it's constantly getting the ice broken up. And in case it's open, and it's all deep water outside of that bay. So this allows us to uh, fish. And we'll fish as far south as almost to the bridge another 15 miles south of there. The way it gets narrower, but there's deep enough water. And uh, it's uh, just the best of both worlds, being able to fish down here in this lower third of the lake where we fish, and which is narrow. Yeah, we've got you on the show here. And we typically will have, you know, uh, charter captains on. I actually really enjoy having you on here. You're just a passionate angler. Um, but you kind of get all over the Great Lakes. I know you, you did a nice video up at the Oak, and, and you target fish on Lake Ontario with your boat. Now, those fish that you're targeting up on, on Lake Ontario are, are very different than the fish that you're going for on Lake Champlain. Tell us a little bit about kind of what those fish look like and what are we talking about for size and kind of what's a, what's a typical day uh, as far as a bag when you're out there on Lake Champlain? Well, a, a typical day is probably three to five salmon. In days we have 10, 15, and some days 20. Uh, the big difference between the specific salmon that we fish for in Lake Ontario, besides size, are is the fact that these fish might bite one out of three days. So uh, that's kind of the, the part of the challenge and excitement about doing this. And uh, we have plenty of lake trout to catch in between. So the average size is two to three pounds. Uh, the minimum length is going to be 15 inches. We catch and release all of our fish. And uh, so we'll average fish is 17, 18, 19 inches, two to three pounds. And the state of Vermont has this uh, master angler program that pe people can either catch or release or save them. And they define a master angler landlocked salmon in Vermont or Champlain at 24 inches, which is about five, five and a half pounds. They get up to 10 pounds. The state record is close to 13 pounds and there's been fish 14 pounds actually tagged, you know, a fishing game when they're doing their, uh, at the, uh, their collections and then transporting the fish above dams. So, uh, so to answer your question, yeah, two to three, two to three pounds. And uh, as average in a typical day is, you know, five to 10 fish. And some days it's slow. It might be one or two or three other days, a little bit more. But it's uh, the rods are bending quite a bit because the lake trout helps us as well to uh, keep, you know, that uh, excitement going. Yeah, the lake trout help uh, to make a, a slow day better. Uh, tell us about some of the equipment you're using when you're out there doing this. Uh, what are you using for rods, line, that, that type of thing? 
Sure, we use Lava Wine Reels, uh, you know, by uh, Okuma or Daiwa. You know, and uh, we use an eight-foot rod, a kokanee rod. They use these for kokanee salmon out west, and it's a very light-action rod. So it gives us a lot more thrill and action, you know, when we're catching these fish, when they're jumping. And uh, as far as the delivery systems, I like that word because Dan Keaton always talks about his delivery systems in his books, and I just love that acronym. Uh, we use two downriggers. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll run a downrigger at 40 feet and then put a free slider that's running about half that distance. We get a lot of bites at 20 feet and that just runs in the belly of the line. We also will run the Big John mini disc and uh, they are, they come in two sizes, quarter size and half dollar size. And those uh, mini discs, those uh, will die 15 and 20 feet outside. We use light bite slide divers. It's where we have that adjustment to get it down to 50, 60 feet or at 40 feet. And uh, you can, and those are basically our, our delivery systems that we use to, to catch these fish. And we catch them anywhere again from 20 to uh, to 90 feet of cable. So we're we're trying to cover the column and find out where they are, and and uh, that pretty much covers it. All right, Ron. Uh, how, how about other equipment? I mean, when you're out there doing this stuff and these kind of temperatures, what else is needed to do this? I mean, how do you pull this off and and keep everybody warm throughout the trip? Well, good, great question. Uh, we, this the, this the frost. We call ourselves a frostbite fleet, and uh, we use 17 to 21 foot bow rider boats. And uh, the the beauty of this is we have full enclosures on them. So we have a zip down curtain down the middle and we'll zip it up if it's really cold. And uh, we use a, from ice fishing, we use a Mr. Buddy dual heater in the cabin. So it keeps the cabin about 60 degrees. And uh, we like to use the, the term, the floating ice shanty. And uh, that's kind of what the, what we're doing because we're staying warm and comfortable. And a lot of people don't realize, but you know, the water is warm compared to the air temperature. So it's almost like an oasis. And we're out in the water, it's a lot warmer than you would think would be on land because the warm, the warm water is an insulator and keeps the surroundings around us warm. And uh, so with the uh, these enclosures and these uh, boats, uh, they allow us to be able to do this and trailer to these two or three different locations that we launch. Uh, so, you know, that's that, that helps us to, uh, you know, do this kind of fishing. Uh, some of the things that we do, uh, we'll bring a sand and a shovel in case it gets icy. Uh, you know, we will let the trailer drain before we go up the ramp because we don't want to make it icy for the ne next guy because remember, there's no dock in place. And so we have a system where uh, I load my guests into the boat with a three-step ladder from Home Depot or Lowe's and they get in the boat. Then I will drop them in the water. They'll start the boat. They'll go off the trailer then I'll go park and I'll have my hip boots on and I will actually spin the boat around and climb up on the transom and get in the boat and just shove it off from, from the ramp itself. And uh, that's how we go in. And when we come in, I'll, either, I'll climb down the side and, and sit on the bow or other people can, you know, you can break down your canvas in the front and walk through your windshield to get out of the boat. Many do that to, uh, to, to, you know, to land it. Uh, another really cool thing is uh you know, if it froze the night before, guys will actually back their boat and trailer in the water, start the engine up, and the turbulence, having the motor trimmed up, actually breaks up a big path of ice behind the boat. And uh, this is uh, 
this is really helpful so you can get in turn around and then break the ice out for probably you know could be up to a thousand feet you know in january so uh so this is how we you know this is basically how we uh uh you know do this and uh so yes yeah, I, I saw you on the video getting in the boat and it uh Reminded me of my duck hunting days. I've done a lot of duck hunting late in the season in Wisconsin. And uh, we do a lot of breaking ice at the boat launch as well and, and getting in. Uh, luckily, we've got our waders on for duck hunting. But I, I saw you with your hip boots jumping into the boat. And, uh, yeah, that's an adventure that that I enjoy. And one of the things that that always kind of – it's a memory that, I, that takes me back all the time is busting through ice in this duck boat. What's it like uh, busting through ice with your boat? <laughs> what's what's that uh, experience well, like for you? If you can describe that for our listeners, <laughs> the first time you do it, it's scary as hell because there's something not good about you're feeling aluminum busting ice, and it's very loud. It's it's uh, there's some guys that'll actually I've got video of guys busting an inch of ice, and let me tell you that makes some serious noise with their 17 foot aluminum boat, and. Uh, you got it. You go real slow, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of a scary experience. But uh, you know, uh, we've had other guys. They they go out when it's. I don't recommend this. Ten degrees, when it's ten degrees, you know, and there's all kinds of waves and uh, fog on the, you know, from the, the from the, from the cold. And they literally had their windshields froze from the waves. And they literally had to use their GPS to get back to the ramp because they couldn't see through their windshield. So I, I don't recommend this, but we pick days that are above 30 degrees, sometimes 25, and uh, in this calm. And so to avoid some of those, you know, situations. But, you know, I'm a duck hunter. And uh, like you said, it, it's, it just, just reminds me of duck hunting. We share the launch with duck hunters till almost Christmas. And they, uh, you know, they, we're, we, they see us and we see them and say hi to them. And, it's, 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 it's definitely a camaraderie type of experience. And that's one of those things too. If someone shows up, who's not into that, they look at all of you guys and think you're should all be in an asylum because you're crazy for going out, <laughs> going out on the water at that time of year. I know, you know, and uh, I've been doing this for 15 years and I, I don't hunt anymore. You know, I used to be a duck hunter and deer hunter, but uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and I invite people out and people don't realize, you know, that it's, it's really not that bad. And you're, you're trolling around and you're warm and in, in shelter at 60 degrees and having fun catching fish. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people think we're crazy. We got a question that came in from Facebook here from Jim Lemon. Jim, Jim wants to know what you do with your boat after the trip. You have indoor storage to keep things from freezing up. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I have a detached garage. I keep the boat in. And, uh, you know, uh, other folks have used like those Costco shelters. They'll use those. Others will build a, a semi-open shelter and stuff. And uh, one of the things that uh, some of the guys run into, they're, if their bunks freeze because it's outside and that water is freezing the carpet on their bunks, they'll put bunk slicks on the bunks so the boat will slide off. Because if they have a fiberglass boat, you know, or... Uh, you know, that, that this, this carpet gets wet and then it freezes. So with those plastic bunk slicks, they don't have any trouble. But a lot of guys have just keep them, keep them outside as long as they're covered from snowfall. We, we had one guy, Chris, he used to keep his boat at one of the uh, marinas. He was be the only boat there. And he would take one of those leaf blowers and blow the snow off his boat from the previous night's snowfall. You got to do what you got to do to get out there this time of year. <laughs> 
you talked a little bit about rods and line and everything, but how about the business end? Uh, what are you using as far as lures and yes. what are you trying to mimic while you're out there? Okay. If you can see this, we have alwives and smelt. Okay. In Lake Champlain, these are two and a half to two and three quarter inch lures. And I'll point here. This is, these are Michigan stinger scorpions over here. And over here are crazy Ivan spoons. Blue moon's one of our favorites. The phantom. This is a twin city. Here's a couple uh, black and purple. This is good down deep when we're done in 70, 80 feet. This is kind of a generic spoon. Uh, honeybees in these colors. Orange and copper and pink are very popular in silver. And over here, I have uh, Speedy Shiner, which is like a moose look type spoon. So this size, you know, we don't really run big lures like we do in Ontario. And uh, we catch some really big fish on these two and a half, two and three quarter inch lures. So that's, those are the spoons that we typically use. And I just wanted to show you a couple of the uh, Big John mini discs. You put them out 100 feet. Here we go. See if I can do this. Glare. Uh, that's the small one right there. And that's the bigger one. It's kind of hard to see to tell the difference, but uh, you put them back 100 feet, the bigger one dives 20 and the little one dives uh, 15 feet. And again, back 100 feet. And I have an eight foot leader on them with a ball bearing swivel. And uh, those work very well. Earlier in the show, Ron, you said that uh, it seems like about one out of every three days, the bite is good. Have you guys kind of figured out any kind of pattern to try to figure out why one day is better than the other? Or uh, how does that, does it seem quite random to you? But what have, what have you guys have figured out over the years on, oh. uh, you know, why, why one day is better than another? Well, it, it almost kind of, you know, mimics, uh, you know, even fishing in general. I mean, we look at the moon, the moon phases, you know, as far as the cylinder tables, that helps uh, approaching, uh, you know, weather is always a good bite before the day or hours before it hits, you know, uh, you know, when you get the low pressure coming in, uh, high pressure systems, we struggle. You know, and it's and, uh, you know, we try to look at the weather and try. We also look at where the wind blew, you know, uh, the day before and determine, you know, downwind and where the bait might be. But it all seems to come. It all seems to target uh, the where the bait is as well. You know, if you can find bait, there might be fish around and there might not be or they might have lockjaw. But we look at a lot of these variables and uh, try to, you know, narrow it down to you know, a, a better choice, but, uh, and then there's some days you can throw the sink at them. And after three hours, I just say, you know what, I'll come out another day, you know, and say, you know, I can't say uncle on, on them because that's just the nature of them. And some days they're, they can be really frustrating, but I guess that's what makes it so appealing catching these fish and watching them jump. Like I, like the video you're showing of our January 15th last year. And, uh, once that you get a fish like that on, you know, it just keeps you coming back for more. And is that something, you know, you call it the frostbite fleet. You've got a big crew of folks out there with different boats. You kind of all get together and try to run some different programs to kind of figure out what they are. And then do you communicate with each other and kind of what's working? How do you work as a team or do you even do that? We, we absolutely do that. And that's, that's a great point. Uh, we share the water with other people. So we use the buddy system. So, We'll, we'll share with our, with our cell phones, you know, we'll be texting or making phone calls. And sometimes on channel 68 on the VHF, you know, the old fashioned way, 
but uh, we will share information with each other because it is a demanding type thing. And that time of year, it's safety and numbers. So uh, yeah, and also Lake Champlain United, uh, we'll share information on there. If somebody caught one at this depth and that color and this, you know, and we try to mimic, you know, what was successful for other people. So uh, there, you'll find that there's a lot of sharing going on and uh, this helps fill that void. All right. Uh, you had an interesting experience uh, recently. Uh, we're going we're gonna to show that video right now. We'll, we'll go back so everybody can get a chance to see that. But uh, for those who are listening to this and not viewing it, what's what's happening here? Well, we're bringing this little rainbow trout in. And uh, all of a sudden, this eagle comes out of nowhere and swoops down and tries to pluck it out of the water. And I was just totally stunned, you know. And so there was two of them. A second one showed up. So we got another video of the second one coming by, coming by a little higher. And uh, we were just like, wow, this is really cool. So luckily I had my GoPro on because we were filming, you know, netting these fish. And I don't know where this eagle comes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, once in a while you get another another adventure and something maybe you don't count on it again. Uh, that's kind of the, the beauty of doing something that a lot of other people aren't doing is you get to witness a few things that maybe other people don't get to see. And that's, that's the bonus of it. And, you know, fish, you know, fishing for us, November 1st till the middle of January and back out in early March, mid March, uh, we really have the water to ourselves except for some duck hunters in the fall. And uh, it's, it's quite a camaraderie and it, the group has grown to probably 15 or 20 boats, you know, that participate in this. Well, one of the other things that uh, I think men in general like is food. And tell us how, how you guys sustain yourselves out there oh. while you're while you're uh, doing this. Oh, this is great. Yeah, uh, there's guys that have these stainless steel grills. And, of course, you know, we have track systems on the side of our boats for our rod holders, our downriggers. Well, these guys, some of these guys have, uh, you know, uh, an adapter for their grills. And uh, they, uh, they, you wouldn't believe, they, they, they have deer, you know, they'll have uh, back straps from deer. They'll have... Uh, sausage they'll have hot dogs they'll have all kinds of stuff and there's this other very creative guy his name is instigator and uh well his his full-time job is working as sheet working with sheet metal so he uh he'll actually he actually fabricated some uh like a, a little wire screen for hot dogs that adapts to the mr buddy heater so we can cook hot dogs and his and brown his rolls right in front of, right on top of that, uh, without, you know, any grease dripping in it or any, uh, you know, any, you know, and at a safe distance. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. It's good to know that you guys aren't wasting away out there. Uh, <laughs> we don't want anyone emaciated while they're trying to catch some fish. Uh, Ron, it was good to talk to you as well. Uh, once again, and, and I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Look, we got one more question from Jim. We'll pull this one up. Jim, how do the downriggers handle it? uh the freezing weather and does the wire ever freeze to the spool um i don't you know we were out one day when it was 10 degrees and i didn't see it really freezing or causing it not to work but what guys will do is they'll put their covers on their downriggers when they're going out and coming back because what happens is the water spray from the boat if you're hitting waves will freeze the downrigger with ice and case it and ice and everything so they'll have put covers over their downrigger to prevent the icing of the, the motor and the display or any, any parts of it itself. But this, the only time that uh, you run into trouble is this is probably in the spring or something, but you're, you're going along and you'll see a sheet of ice and the downrigger cables don't like to go through the ice. <laughs> 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 That'll get your attention. I'll tell you. 
<laughs> well, Ron, I appreciate you stepping in. We we had another guest that had to kind of change the schedule, and you kind of jumped in here to fill our show this week uh, at a moment's notice, and we really appreciate that. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to bring up and talk about today, Ron? Well, you know, I think what we're doing here on Lake Champlain between Vermont and New York is pretty special, but I'd like to see more people try it on the Great Lakes. Uh, you look at uh, Richard Hajeki, if I pronounce his name correctly, a crazy Yankee sport fisherman. He bought a 21-foot Lund, and he's fishing browns in February and March before he put his big boat in the water. He fishes walleye on Oneida Lake, you know, in November. And others, the St. Lawrence River uh, near Malone, New York, Shimon Bay, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, near the Thousand Islands. Uh, and even the Detroit River, for, these are all walleyes. And these guys are all fishing in November and catching huge no uh, walleyes. So, you know, I'd love to see more people partake in this because it's it is very feasible and once you've once you've done it a few times you'll say that's no different than fishing in the spring and summer yeah it's it's real interesting uh you know when people get interested in hunting and go deer hunting this time of year and they kind of put the boat away but that's really tends to be when the best fishing of the year is i know right now in our neck of the woods here in wisconsin you know the musky hunters are really going wild this is their time of year to get out there and it couldn't be better as far as scenery right now we've got uh, the colors going on up here right now um and we've kind of have it too on the mississippi river i'm about 10 miles from that uh you'll see a ton of guys down in the red wing area fishing off the discharges for walleye in february and march so kind of got the same thing and it's one of those things like you said that if if people are willing to step out of their comfort zone and put on a a pair of bib overalls and, and a nice heavy jacket. You can get out and have some good fishing. We got one more question here coming in from Mark Circo. Uh, he wants to know if you run flashers or dodgers while you're out there. Yeah, great question. Yeah, we do. Uh, there are times that uh, a dodger fly, a streamer, it can, is very effective, a black and purple streamer. They call it a 9-3. That's been our favorite. We'll run it 12 inches behind a 6-inch Jensen Dodger. And uh, it puts a violent action on the fly. And sometimes we'll snag the fish because they're hitting it so hard because that fly is whipping back and forth, that tandem hook fly. And uh, also we will run inline blades uh, to help attract the fish. So it's, it's one of those things that uh, every day is different. So we, we do employ those into our spread and our delivery systems. But that's a great, I'm glad that question was asked. Well, if you want to see more about what Ron does out there, you can go onto YouTube and his channel is Ronald Winter. But I think if you put in frostbite season into the search, uh, you're probably going to find it or Lake Champlain, uh, you know, any of that type of stuff in the search bar, you'll probably find it. But check it out, Ronald Winter. And he's always putting videos up there. And, and usually you turn them around pretty quick, Ron. So there's a lot of, lot of good stuff on there and you can kind of get an idea of what's going on at, at just about any time. Thank you. I try to do it in the same day. I'm usually doing it two or three hours after we get home. Yep. Great stuff. So uh, Ron Winter, really appreciate it and hope you enjoy uh, your frostbite season coming up here. Uh, you guys kind of kick it off in early November. So uh, have fun out there and, and hopefully uh, some you'll kind of get some people to try out these new things and getting out there in the wintertime. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.